Chapter 19 of the War of Antichrist with the Church and Christian Civilization. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Allen. The War of Antichrist with the Church and Christian Civilization by Monsignor George F. Dillon. Chapter 19. A War Party under Palmerston. Father Deschamps, on the authority of Eckert and Misley, gives an interesting description of all that Freemasonry, under the direction of Lord Palmerston, attempted and effected after the failure of the revolutionary movements conducted by the Party of Action under Mazzini in 1848. These were fomented to a large extent by British diplomacy and secret service money manipulated by Lord Palmerston. Under his guidance and assistance, Mazzini had organized all his revolutionary sects. Young Italy, young Poland, young Europe, and the rest sprang as much from that one as from the other. But after years of close union, Mazzini, who was probably hated by Palmerston and dreaded as the murderer of Nubius, began to wane in influence. He and his party felt, of course, the inevitable effects of failure, and the leader subsisted without, however, losing any of his utility for the sect. Napoleon III appears to have supplanted him in the esteem of Palmerston, and would, had he dared, have ceased to follow the Carbonari. Mazzini, accordingly, hated Napoleon III with a deadly hatred, which he lived to be able to gratify signally when Palmerston was no more. As he was the principal means of raising Palmerston to power in the Alta Vendita, so after Palmerson had passed away, he introduced another great statesman to the high conductors, if not only into the high conduct itself of the whole conspiracy, and caused a fatal blow to be given to France and to the dynasty of Napoleon. Meanwhile, from 1849 to the end of the life of Palmerston, the designs formed by the High Council of Secret Atheism were carried out with a perfection a vigor and a success never previously known in their history. Nothing was precipitated, yet everything marched rapidly to the realization. The plan of Palmerston, or the plan of the deadly council which plotted under him, was to separate the two great conservative empires of Russia and Austria, while, at the same time, dealing a deadly blow at both. It was easy for Palmerston to make England see the utility of weakening Russia, which threatened her Indian possessions. France could be made to join in the fray by her ruler and the powerful Masonic influence at his command. Hence, the Russian campaign of 1852. But it was necessary for this war to keep Prussia and Austria quiet. Prussia was bribed by a promise to get, in time, the empire of united Germany. Austria was frightened by the resolution of England and France to bring war to the Danube, and so form a projected kingdom in Poland and Hungary. The joint power of England, France, and Turkey could easily then, with the aid of the populations interested, form the new kingdom, and so effectually curb Russia and Austria. But it was of more importance for the designs of the sect upon the temporal power of the Pope, and upon Austria herself, to separate the empires. Palmerston succeeded with Austria, who withdrew from her alliance with Russia. The forces, therefore, 
of England and France were ordered from the Danube to the barren Crimea as payment for her neutrality. This bribe proved the ruin of Austrian influence. As soon as Russia was separated from her and weakened beyond the power of assisting her, if she would, France, counterbalanced by England, dealt a deadly blow at Austrian rule in Italy, united Italy, and placed the temporal power of the Pope in the last stage of decay. On the other hand, Prussia was permitted to deal a blow soon after at Austria. This finished the prestige of the latter as the leading power in Germany, and confined her to her original territory, with the loss of Venice, her remaining Italian province. After this war, Palmerston passed away, and Mazzini came, once more, into authority in the sect. He remembered his grudge against Napoleon, and at once used his influence with the high direction of masonry to abandon France and assist Germany, and, on the promise of Bismarck, a promise fulfilled by the May Laws, that Germany should persecute the Church as it was persecuted in Italy, masonry went over to Germany, and masons urged on Napoleon to that insane expedition which ended in placing Germany as the arbiter of Europe, and France and the dynasty of Napoleon in ruins. In the authorities quoted, there is abundant proof that masonry, just as it had assisted the French Revolution and the first Napoleon, now assisted the Germans. It placed treason on the side of the A-War Party under Palmerston, French, and sold, in fact, the unfortunate country and her unscrupulous ruler. Mazzini forced Italy not to assist Napoleon, and was gratified to find before his death that the liar and traitor, who, in the hope of getting assistance he did not get from masonry, had dealt his last blow at the Vicar of Christ, and placed Rome and the remnants of the states of the church in the hands of the king of Italy, had lost the throne and gained the unenviable character of a coward and a fool. This is necessarily but a brief glance at the program which atheism has both planned and carried out since the rule of Palmerston commenced. Wherever it prevailed, the worst form of persecution of the church at once began to rage. In Sardinia, as soon as it obtained hold of the king and government, the designs of the French Revolution were at once carried out against religion. The state itself employed the horrible and impure contrivances of the Alta Vendita for the corruption and demoralization of every class of the people. The floodgates of hell were opened. Education was at once made completely secular. Religious teachers were banished. The goods of the religious orders were confiscated. Their convents, their lands, their very churches were sold and they themselves were forced to starve on a miserable pension, while succession was rigorously prohibited. All recognition of the spiritual power of bishops was put to an end. The priesthood was systematically despised and degraded. The whole ministry of the church was harassed in a hundred vexatious ways. Taxes of a crushing character were levied on the administration of the sacraments, on masses, and on the slender incomes of the parish clergy. Matrimony was made secular, divorce legalized, the privileges of the clerical state abrogated. Worse than all, the lever conscription was rigorously enforced. Candidates for the priesthood, at the most trying season of their career, were compelled to join the army for a number of years, 
and exposed to all the snares which the Alta Vendita had astutely prepared to destroy their purity, and with it, of course, their vocations. Quote, Make vicious hearts, and you will have no more Catholics. Unquote. Besides these measures made and provided by public authority, every favor of the state, its power of giving honors, patronage, and place, was constantly denied to Catholics. To get any situation of value in the army, navy, civil service, police, revenue, on the railways, in the telegraph offices, to be a physician to the smallest municipality, to be employed almost anywhere, it was necessary to be a Freemason or to have powerful Masonic influence. The press, the larger mercantile firms, important manufactories, depending as such institutions mostly do on state patronage and interest, were also in the hands of the sectaries. To Catholics was left a lot of slaves. If permitted to exist at all, it was as the hewers of wood and the drawers of water. The lands which those amongst them held, who did not forsake religion, were taxed to an unbearable extent. The condition of the faithful Catholic peasants became wretched from the load of fiscal burdens placed upon them. The triumph of atheism could not be more complete, so far as having all that the world could give on its side, and leaving to the church scarcely more than covered her divine founder upon the cross. Bismarck, though assisted in his wars against France by the brave Catholic soldiers of the Rhine, and of the fatherland generally, no sooner had his rival crushed and his victory secured than he hastened to pay to Freemasonry his promised persecution of the church. The Freemasons in the German Parliament and the ministers of the sect aided him to prepare measures against the Catholic religion as drastic as those in operation in Italy, even worse in many respects. The religious orders of men and women were rigorously suppressed or banished as a first installment. Then fell Catholic education to make way for an infidel propagandism. Next came harassing decrees against the clergy, by which bishops were banished or imprisoned, and parishes were deprived in hundreds of their priests. All the bad immoral influences, invented and propagated by the sectaries, were permitted to run riot in the land. A schism was attempted in the church. Ecclesiastical education was corrupted in the very bud, and all but the existence of Catholics was proscribed. Wherever we find the dark sect triumphant, we find the same results. In the republics of South America, where Freemasonry holds the highest place, the condition of the church is that of normal persecution and vexation of every kind. It has been so for many years in Spain and Portugal, in Switzerland, and to whatever extent Freemasons can accomplish it, in Belgium and in Austria. The Dark Directory succeeded Weishaupt. The Alta Vendita and Palmerston sits in Paris and in Berlin, almost openly, and prepares at leisure its measures, which are nothing short of, first, the speedy weakening of the church, and then a bloody attempt at her extermination. If it goes on slower than it did during the French Revolution, it is in order to go on surer, past experience too, and the determination of the sect already arrived at show but too clearly that a single, final consummation is kept steadily in view. The impure assassins who conduct the conspiracy have had no scruple to imbue their hands in the blood of Christians in the past, 
and they never will have a scruple to do so, whenever there is a hope of success. In fact, from what I have seen and studied on the continent, an attempt at this ultimate means of getting rid, at least, of the clergy and principal lay leaders amongst Catholics, might take place in France, and even in Italy, at any moment. In France, some new measures of persecution is introduced every day. The concordat is broken openly. The honor of the country is despised. Subventions, belonging by contract to the clergy, are withdrawn. The insolence of the atheistical government, relying on the strength of the army, and on the unaccountable apathy or cowardice of the French Catholic lady, progresses so fast that no act of the revolution of 1789, or of the commune, can be thought improbable within the present decade, and Italy would be sure to follow any example set by France in this or in any other method of exterminating the church. There are sure signs in all the countries where the atheistic revolution has made decided progress that this final catastrophe is already planned and that its instruments are in course of preparation. These instruments are something the same as were devised by the illuminated lodges. When the power of the French Revolution began to pass from the National Assembly to the clubs, the clubs were the open and ultimate expression of the destructive anti-Christianity of atheism, and when the lodges reached so far, there was no further need for secrecy. That which in the jargon of the sects is called, quote, the object of the labor of ages, unquote, was attained. Man was without God, or faith, king, or law. He had reached the level aimed at by the commune, which is itself the ultimate end of all masonry and all that secret atheistic plotting which, since the rise of atheism, has filled the world. In our day, if masonry does not find Jacobite or other clubs, it originates and cherishes movements fully as satanic and as dangerous. Communism, just like Carbonarianism, is but a form of the illuminated masonry of Weishaupt. Quote, Our end, said the Alta Vendita, is that of Voltaire and the French Revolution. Unquote. Names and methods are varied, but that end is ever the same. The clubs at the period of the French Revolution were, after all, local. Masonry now endeavors to generalize their principles and their powers of destructive activity on a vastly more extended scale. We therefore no longer hear of Jacobins or Gerundins, but we hear of movements destined to be for all countries what the Jacobins and the Gerundins were for Paris and for France, as surely and for the same purpose as the clubs proceeded from the lodges in 1789. So, in the later half of the 19th century, the lodges sent out upon the whole civilized world, for the very same intent, the terrible socialist organizations, all founded upon the lines of communism, and called according to the exigencies of time, place, and condition. End of chapter 19